told you I'd forget something. We should have some palm crosses at the back there, and uh, maybe we'll pick them up on the way, uh, the way out. So, um, Easter comes round, Holy Week comes round, Christmas comes round, Remembrance comes round. Oh, there's Richard with the palm crosses. Would you mind turning them around? That's really handy. Thank you. Um, and sometimes it can be a little bit of, what can I say different this year? Well, I've had four years off, so uh, I suppose maybe this should be something new. Um, and I read this, I was preparing, I was reading this particular passage, and actually one phrase jumped out of it. And it wasn't about the lowly donkey or uh, the king, of, you know, they expected a king on a chariot or the crowd got it wrong or the threat to the leaders. It was a phrase that Jesus sent, the disciples went and did, and this fulfilled prophecy. So Jesus sent, the disciples went and did, and this fulfilled prophecy. And that prophecy is in Zechariah 9. Zechariah was a contemporary of Haggai. If you know Haggai, it's about sort of, don't build your own houses, rebuild the temple. His grandson of one of the returners from exile, mentioned in Nehemiah and Ezra, so around 520 BC. And prophesied to demoralise people in a damaged city. Zechariah prophesied with excitement about a coming king, a Messiah. And both he and Haggai gave word that God's house should be completed, having been torn down by the invaders. Now, Zechariah is full of impenetrable imagery, and in fact, some might say that commentators still don't know what is going on about half the time. But there is a clear message, and that is the king is returning, and he will come, as we see in chapter 9, on a donkey as a rescuer from many troubles. Now, this raises three questions for us, I think. The first one, is what is the prophecy over Christchurch? Now when I first came, you may remember, I boldly and with trepidation offered the suggestion that God wanted to double Christchurch. Do you remember that? It seemed a long time ago, three years ago. I don't think he's changed his mind, even taking us through a pandemic. And I was struck by, I don't always manage to look at morning prayer on a Sunday morning, but I did this morning. And it was that Zechariah reading, Zechariah 9, 9 to 12. Now, verse 9 is, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you righteous, and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. That was the bit which was quoted in Matthew. But it goes on. Verse 11, as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. In the NRSV, which I read this morning, it was, I will double. Why did I read that this morning? So what is the prophecy over us? Another one is a picture of those doors, those oak doors down there, opening up and water pouring out into the community. That's been around for 10 years. 
that's still God's prophecy over this church. We've had other words recently about actually the, of a dam. That was my first day here with Frank. It was a, a dam and actually over revival prayer that seemed to look like the dam rather than being part of God's plan was actually a barrier to that water flowing out the door. That there's something that needs to be broken down for that to happen. And there was something about maybe the church has not got a full gospel. I still don't really have a grasp of what that might mean. But God is speaking over this church. He has spoken over this church. And he continues to speak over this church. So we need to listen to what that is. The second question is, how do we hear Jesus' instructions? Jesus sent. Well, I mentioned revival prayer. Those were, Martin, you came to many of them, Lisa. Um, there were often times when we just sat together, opened our Bibles as we felt prompted, and were listening to God. And we need to continue to do that. The prayer gathering is designed to carry on that work on a Sunday night rather than a Wednesday. We have words on a Sunday. Maybe we should have more of those being offered. House groups are meeting. When house groups meet, is that a time to help say, Lord, what are you saying to the church? And if you do that and you hear something, pass it on so that that can be passed on to the church. It may be your personal devotions. Who are the prophets in Christ church? that may be gifted to hear from God to speak to us. I'll say that again. Who are the prophets? And it might be you. And you might be saying again, it couldn't be me. And God's going, no, it's you. Who are the prophets who can hear from God and speak to the church? Can we train in prophecy? Pete Gregg's latest book is How to Hear from God. I haven't got it yet, but I'm sure I will. Has anybody got a copy yet? Mark Aldridge um, wrote a, a book and a course called Hearing God's Voice. Now Mark came as a, a new wine leader to the, the new wine leaders core group that meets here. All about five, six years. At least I think you were there, weren't you? Uh, it's a pre-organization, isn't it? And he came to speak to us about hearing God's voice. And he said that he sat on the train and he prayed about these people that he'd never met. And he, he said, Lord, do you have a word for them? And I said, what do you have Good stuff. You know. And then suddenly he put his finger out and he pointed at me and he said, and it's for you. And it was, don't get frustrated. You know, I've got my hand on it. God speaks to his people all the time. And he wants to find people who are willing to listen and to share. So how do we hear his instructions? How do we, who are the prophets in our church? And the third question is, how do we go and do? 
Well, firstly, we need to discern. Now, in the Alpha course, it talks about five C's. I can never remember what the C's are, but it's basically talk to others, other saints, uh, look at scripture, use your common sense, listen to the promptings of the Spirit, and look out for um, consequential signs, you know, signs that might confirm. And all of those five things together can give us assurance that what we're hearing is actually what God is saying. Weigh and test the spirits, we're told. And the next bit is probably the hard bit, which is, and then go and do it. Whatever it is that you've been told to do. So at this point, when I was preparing, I looked up on my bookshelf, um, and I saw there a, a series of books by Pete Gregg about 24-7 prayer, who had a prompt in a room for a few people to get together to start praying. It's now an international prayer movement. Martin Luther was prompted to stick those 95 theses on the door. Patrick Regan was so convicted of the young people of South London that he set up a whole organisation to support them called XLP. Brother Andrew was prompted to smuggle Bibles into Eastern Europe from which the Open Doors movement started. Alan Scott uh, was leading a vineyard church in Coleraine in Northern Ireland. And um, by going out on the streets and following the conviction of what had been laid on his heart, the church brought three and a half thousand people to a living faith in 18 months in that small town in Northern Ireland. Wallace and Mary Brown wrote a book called Angels on the Walls. Do you remember Phil Knox who came and spoke to us? That's his church, their previous uh, vicar there. Um, and they were on the brink of leaving that um, urban church because of all the difficulties we're facing. And they prayed and they saw these angels on the walls and they stayed there and they flourished in ministry. John Wesley got on his horse and said, it doesn't matter that the Church of England is based on parishes, I'm going to preach God's kingdom. And got himself kicked out and started his own movement. And Jackie Pullinger, I'm sure you've heard of, went to Hong Kong. Jackie Pullinger was asked recently, why don't you write a second volume of Chasing the Dragon? And she said, don't ask me to write another book for you to read about doing God's work. Write your own. So a typical response. So I'd just like to finish by looking a little bit at her story. She was searching as to what God was leading her. She was in a church in West Croydon. And she heard this word from God, go, trust me and I will lead you. I will instruct you and teach you the way which you will go. I will guide you with my eye. Notice had been given to her. She was free to do whatever she wanted, but she didn't get any particular word after that, so it was quite frustrating for her. Then she went to Richard Thompson's church in Shoreditch. She was a, a former vicar of uh, St Mary's, where this guy came from. Um, and speaking to him, he said, God says go, but you don't know where. And, and Richard's response was, if God is telling you to go, you had better go. If you've tried all the conventional ways, like applying through mission organisations, etc., and God is still telling you, you better just get on the move. 
And he said, you can't lose if you put yourself completely in God's hands. If he doesn't want you to go, he's capable of stopping or redirecting the ship. So what she did is she bought the cheapest ticket for the longest journey she could find. And it was just based on that. And she made the connection for the, for the ship with one minute to spare. With Richard Thompson running up the platform shouting, Praise the Lord! as the train obeyed. heard and she did we're not all called to be Jackie Pullinger and to dedicate our lives to the darkest of places but we all can say yes to Jesus first we have to listen and to weigh what we hear but then when we hear it we just need to do it Father, we thank you for this whole week. Let us be attentive to all that Jesus says to us by his actions and his words. Not only in what happened in that week, over 2,000 years ago, but also about what he's saying to us now. Help us to be attentive and discerning. And Father, remove our inertia and help us to go. We pray this in Jesus' name.